Chapter Twenty Seven of the Phantom Town Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Phantom Town Mystery by Carol Norton. Chapter Twenty Seven It Was a Clue. Jackie wakened and opened wondering eyes at the moment when a kind faced woman in nun's garb entered from an inner corridor. With a glad cry he slipped from Jerry and ran with arms outstretched. The young people rose and waited, sure that this woman, who had stooped to comfort the sobbing child, must be the sister Teresa to whom he had been given. She was evidently questioning him, and brokenly he was telling that the robbers had carried him off, and that Grandad was dead. She lifted a sorrowful face toward the strange young people and without questioning their identity, she said, "'It was very kind of you all to bring Jackie to me. Did Mr. Weston send me a message?' Jerry, realizing that formal introductions were unnecessary at a time like this, replied, "'Yes, Sister Teresa. The old man was so nearly dead when we found him in an arroyo over near the Dragoons that he could say little. However, he did give Jackie to you.' The nun had seated herself and had motioned the others to do likewise. The boy, standing at her side, was looking up into her face with tear-filled, anxious eyes. "'Poor little fellow,' she said. "'His life has been full of fear. But now, if those tormentors of his grandfather are in prison, he will be free of the constant dread of being kidnapped.' "'Sister Teresa,' Mary leaned forward to ask, "'why did those cruel men wish to harm so helpless a child?' The nun shook her head sadly. "'It is a long story,' she said, "'and one that causes me much pain to recall. But I will tell you. Years ago this good man, who had the largest cattle ranch in these parts, was riding over the mountains, carrying about his person large sums of money. He was overtaken by two highwaymen, who, after robbing him, forced him to continue with them over a lonely mountain road. When they were at a high spot they heard a stage coming and they forced Mr. Weston to hide with them around a curve. When the stage was almost upon them, the bandits rode out, shot the driver, and stole the bags of gold they found. The frightened horses plunged over a cliff, taking with it the dead driver and one man-passenger. A child, that man's sister, was thrown into the road. The bandits thought only of escape, and for a time they forgot their captive. Seeing a chance to get away, he turned his horse and galloped back toward his ranch. Finding the child in the road, he took time to snatch her up and take her with him. He brought her to this convent, where she has been ever since." The listeners, who one and all had guessed the speaker's true identity, could hardly wait until she had finished to ask if she were the long-lost little Bodle. Tense emotion brought tears to the woman's kind eyes. "'My dears,' she said, looking from one to another of them. "'My dears, can you tell me of my brother, Sven Peterson? I have always thought that he must have been killed when the stage plunged over the cliff. At first I hoped this was not true, but when he never came to find me—Mary interrupted. "'Oh, Sister Teresa, your brother never stopped trying to find you.' Jerry said, "'He advertised in newspapers.' The nun shook her head. We do not take newspapers here, and Mr. Weston, who had a nervous collapse for a long time, was not permitted to read. Yes, that accounts for it. 
My poor brother! How needlessly he grieved! Jerry and Dick exchanged glances, and Dick's lips formed the word, Money. The cowboy said, Sister Teresa, from the tale of an old storekeeper in Gleason, who knew your brother well, we have learned that he has a letter for you written in Danish which tells where he left some money for you. I shall be glad to have the letter, the woman said, her face lightening, not because of the money which I will use for others, as we here take the vow of poverty, but because of some message I am sure the letter will contain. Mary, thinking of the Dooleys, wanted to ask if the money might, part of it at least, be used for them, but she thought better of it. The nun, looking tenderly down at the boy who still nestled close to her, said lovingly, "'Poor little Jackie, how I wish I could keep him here with me, but that would not be permitted, since he is a boy.' As though inspired, she told them, "'If that money is found, I will give a good part of it to someone who will make a happy home for this little fellow.' Mary also was inspired. "'Oh, Sister Teresa—how eagerly she spoke—I know the very nicest family, and they're in great need caring for Jackie would be a godsend to them, and bring great happiness into his life. I'm sure of that." Then she told, with Jerry's help, all that she knew of Etta Dooley and her family. The nun turned to the cowboy. "'I like what you tell me about that little family. If there is money to pay her, I would like to see your friend Etta.' She was rising as she spoke. A muffled gong was ringing in the inner corridor. The young people also rose. "'I am sure Etta will come, Sister Teresa,' Mary said. Jerry promised to try to bring the letter on the morrow. The nun, smiling graciously at them all, held out her hand to first one and then another, saying, "'Thank you, and good-bye.' The little boy echoed, "'Good-bye.' He was to remain with Sister Teresa until she had met and approved of Etta Dooley. As the young people were about to leave the convent, the young nun, who had admitted them, appeared, and said, "'Sister Teresa invites you to lunch. It is long after the noon hour.' She turned, not waiting for a possible refusal, and so they followed her through a side door, along a narrow corridor, which ended in descending steps. They found themselves in a bare basement room. There were plain wooden tables, clean and white, with benches on both sides. No one was in evidence, as the noon meal had been cleared away. The young nun motioned them to a table, then glided away to the kitchen. She soon returned with four bowls of simple vegetable soup, glasses of milk, and a plain coarse brown bread without butter. "'I hadn't realized how starved I am,' Dora said, when they were alone. "'Isn't it two-story bookish for anything, our finding little Bodil at last?' Mary exclaimed as she ate with a relish the appetizing soup. "'Right-o! It sure is,' Jerry agreed. Dick asked, "'Do you think Etta Dooley will be too proud to take the money?' "'I don't,' Mary said with conviction. "'She won't suspect that we had wanted to find some way of giving her the money. She'll think that our first thought had been to recommend a good home for Jackie. That will make it all right with her, I'm sure.' Dora glanced at Jerry somewhat anxiously. "'They can stay where they are, can't they?' Etta said that if it weren't for her feeling of being dependent on charity, she would simply love being there. Jerry nodded thoughtfully. I'm sure Dad will be glad to have them. I reckon he hasn't any other plans for that cabin. We could lease them, say, three acres, and if they paid a little rent that would make Etta feel independent. 
Dora added her thought. If Etta passes those examinations she's going to take in Douglas, maybe she could be teacher in that little school near your ranch, Jerry. The cowboy's face brightened. Say, that's a bingo fine idea. That school had to close because we hadn't any children. All we need are eight youngsters to reopen it. Let's see. There are the twins. Jackie will make three. Then anxiously he glanced at Mary. How soon can baby Bess go to school? She'd have to go if Etta did, was the laughing reply. Dora suggested, couldn't there be a kindergarten department? I reckon so. The cowboy's face was troubled. Four kids aren't eight. Dick, remembering something Mr. Newcomb had told his wife, inquired, Jerry, your dad asked your mother if she minded having a cowboy next winter who had a wife and six children. Jolly-o! Dora cried. What did Mrs. Newcomb say? It was Mary who replied. You know what dear big-hearted Aunt Molly would say. I can almost hear her tell Uncle Henry that the more the merrier. Of course, Jerry told them, even if we can work the school plan, the salary is mighty small. It wouldn't more than pay their grocery bill. But it'll help, all right, along with— Mary caught the cowboy's arm, her expression alarmed. Jerry, what if there isn't any money in that rock house after our planning? Tomorrow we will know, Dick said. Then, as the young nun reappeared, they arose and thanked her for the good meal. Dora noticed that, as Dick passed out, he dropped a coin in a little box labeled, For the Poor. End of chapter 27 Recording by Bill Borst